Welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum, to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots, and to explore the foundations for small groups that produce disciples of Jesus Christ who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. And I'm Steve Manskar, Director of Wesleyan Leadership, also at Discipleship Ministries. And today we have a real treat to share. We have an interview with our General Secretary, Junius Dotson. Boss man. (laughs) Junius is uh, not only the General Secretary, he's a very large Dallas Cowboys fan, which I can... I can appreciate, I don't have to agree with, but I appreciate that. Uh, He has also been uh, a church planner and for 14 years was a senior pastor of St. Mark's United Methodist Church. And I believe there was more than one campus. In Wichita Camp in Kansas. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he he, he mentions in the interview that they, while he was there, they opened a second second campus. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Now enjoy this interview with Reverend Junius Dotson. Hey, Junius. How you doing, sir? Thank you for being with us. We're honored to have you as part of our, uh, our podcast here on Small Group Ministries. Um, I want to start with uh, this, our conversation with you. With As we were, Scott and I were talking about interviewing you, this qu- quote just, just from stuff I've heard you say mm-hmm. in staff meetings and in other places, um, I think you're going to agree with this. Okay. But it certainly reflects f- the approach to small groups and discipleship that Scott and I are, are talking mm-hmm. about. And it, and it comes from a book by a guy named Mike Breen. Mm-hmm. Um, his book, the title is uh, Building a Discipling Culture. Mm-hmm. And also, while he's not a Methodist or particularly, he's Anglican, he, you know, Anglican sort of Anglo-Baptist, um, I think Mr. Wesley would agree with this. Yes. This is the quote. He says this in the introduction to the book. When you make disciples, you rarely get the church. I I got that wrong. (laughs) But I'm going to start over again. That's way wrong. When you make disciples, you always get the church. But when you make a church, you rarely get disciples. Then he goes on to explain that when the focus of the energy and the resources of a church is on the church— you're more likely to end up with consumers of religious goods and services provided by the religious professionals, the appointed clergy, than you are to actually form people as disciples. Absolutely. So I just want to get your reaction to that. Absolutely. So it really is a question of focus. It is a question of uh, when a congregation comes together, you know, what is the central uh, point of uh, what they do? What, What is it that... What is the heartbeat of that congregation? And I would contend that the heartbeat uh, is that one should be the one of the Great Commission. Uh, and that is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, and I think when a church is solely focused on that, uh, things tend to organize pretty naturally uh, around the task of making disciples. Uh, when it's the other way around, when you are more focused on you know, uh, how large our building is going to be and how many seats are going to be in the sanctuary. And if that's the starting point for vision, uh, then you've, you know, you're creating a, a facility that may or may not, uh, you know, 
contain disciples. People may get it by by accident, uh, but if you're not intentional in that process, then you're less likely uh, to get people who are really focused not only on the task of uh, making disciples, but also on the task of being a disciple. That means people who are growing and maturing in their faith and who really understand from a foundational perspective, this is why we are here. And we have to never lose sight of the fact that we're here uh, to grow and to mature in our faith. We're here to invite others uh, into that same type of relationship with Christ. Yeah, well said, Junius. And Mm. I appreciate you've said a lot of this uh, before on Facebook Live. You said this uh, at your address. And as you've said these things out of Steve and I, just our hearts just start uh, brimming with excitement of, of what, you're, what you've been about. I, I want you to take just, just a moment, I want you to speak directly to senior pastors, okay. pastors who are in charge, and, and tell them why they should be a champion of small group ministry in their local church. So let me just say that um, small groups have always been a, a central part of any ministry that I've been involved in. And uh, when I talk about small groups or, or teach this in, in conferences, uh, people would always ask about, you know, small group ministry or wherever I was. And my response was always, you need to understand that there are two ways of looking at small groups. You can either look at small groups as the organizing principle mm-hmm. of a congregation right. in that Everything you do, you have to think of that we are doing this as a small group. Or you can think of it as a program area of the church. And I think all too often, uh, a lot of churches think about this as a programming element. And so, you know, we think about doing small groups is another thing they have to do. It's another program in the church. Uh, And it's very hard to champion another program in the church. So I want to be very clear when I say senior pastors should champion small group ministry, they should champion small groups as the basic organizing principle of a local congregation. Uh, and that means that some small groups are uh, Bible study groups. That, that's their focus. Um, but, you know, what would happen if you, you take the same principle for a small group and you apply it to choirs? You apply it to administrative teams. You apply it to every team in the life of the church because you want every team to be growing and maturing in their faith. And you want every team to have disciple making as its focus. That's the core. I mean, so if I'm involved in uh, managing the finances of a congregation. Well, well, how does what is how does our team speak to uh, the overall discipling process that's happening within life of our church? But here's the other thing: how does our team then take the concept uh, and the responsibility, right, to go out and disciple beyond the four walls? Mm-hmm. Which means, how do we even take our expert, our administrative expertise beyond this place okay. uh, to be in relationship with folk who could use this expertise, but at the same time, an opportunity for us to build relationships and ultimately invite people into a relationship uh, with Christ? Well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you one more question to direct again to senior pastors. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would you, why would you say? Um, certainly Steve and I would agree with this. Why would you say senior pastors not only need to be the champion of small groups, they need to be in a small group. Right, because I think, um, you know, this goes back really to, um, I would always say to my congregations, I would never ask you uh, to do anything that uh, I'm unwilling to do. And I think part of that is you you lead by uh, by example, you lead by modeling. Um, and, and the other piece is, uh, as a senior pastor, uh, I think my willingness 
to be vulnerable uh, and to be accountable in a covenant group with other uh, persons really spoke volumes uh, to the people uh, in the life of our congregation. Um, I, I will say to you, um, this is an interesting story. At, when I was pastoring um, St. Mark Church in Wichita, um, our men's ministry, uh, we're, we're doing uh, men's conferences and did awesome men's conferences. And, and I remember one year going to them and saying, you know, I'm not going to let you do a men's conference again unless... Uh, you can tell me uh, coming out of this conference how your men are going to move into small groups, um, that that really has to be, you know, one of the goals for this conference It's not for people to simply come and experience uh, a weekend, you know, of preaching and teaching uh, and music. But also what happens after that? You know, how do we go deeper? And as a result of that, that's really how uh, small groups for men uh, within the life of uh, St. Mark began. And it just really exploded. And I will say um, you know, five or six years uh, into this, um, I, they, they kept asking me would I be willing uh, to lead a men's small group. Okay. And I, w- I will say to you, I was, you know, I was teaching on Sunday mornings. I was teaching Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday evening. Um, we had a, w- a service on Wednesday evenings. Uh, and then I was I was also a part of a my own small group. Okay. Uh, I'm a part of a group with uh, pastors, um, and we've been in, in fellowship with each other for seven or eight years. Um, and our our meetings are pretty pretty intense, right? Okay. Um, so I'm thinking, how am I going to find the time to do this? Um, but that was something that you know God keep kept placing on my heart that you really should do this because people are really saying if you uh, lead a small group or participate uh, in a small group, then that's really going to encourage the hearts of of other men within the life of our church. And I finally did it. Mm -hmm. And um, can I tell you that it was the most rewarding experiences, I would say, in my whole 14 years uh, of ministry uh, at St. Mark. and, And I say this because it came at a time in my life when I really needed uh, a deeper uh, type of relationship and fellowship uh, with men, you know, mm-hmm. within the life of our congregation. And uh, I was going through some grieving processes uh, in my own life, uh, and I was able to share uh, my story. And out of the, my sharing and my vulnerability, uh, it opened up something for men within the life of that congregation. And there was a level of sharing and authenticity and vulnerability that I don't think I had seen before. And uh, and if you were to fast forward, you know, three years, we were starting a second campus and uh, the men in that small group. Right. There were about 12 to 15 men uh, in that group. Uh, were to, you know, to a person, those persons were intricately involved uh, in in leadership uh, in moving us in, in uh, starting the second campus, and and the motivation was we want to reach people for Jesus, and right. and 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 I think the the experience of being in that group, you know, over the uh, couple years that they were in that group, really just kind of fueled mm. their passion uh, for saying we we can't help but do this. Uh, and so they became a very integral part of that experience. So it became out of the overflow. A- absolutely. Yeah, so you've heard my, my ears here. I want to ask a follow-up question yes. if I can. Say more about men's, the, the importance for, for men being in small groups, because I find that to be the demographic that has the most resistance and most hesitancy to because they, they sort of intuitively know this is going to mean vulnerability. Right. <laughs> One thing men don't do well 
is vulnerability. Right. Anything you would add to that? Well, I think it's, um, I think when men come together and when they're able uh, to walk together, uh, it's, it's kind of a different space uh, than being in a, uh, a, a co-ed experience. Uh, I think there's value in co-ed experiences. Please don't get me wrong about that. But I, I also think that there are some men that we're, we're not going to reach uh, unless it is in a, uh, a small group type setting. Right. Um, and so vulnerability, the ability, uh, the willingness to be vulnerable is important, but also having a leader uh, who's willing uh, to be vulnerable as well. Um, and since I'm talking to senior pastors, I can tell you um, that when I started this small group, uh, one of the things I was really concerned about was just time. And, uh, and so what I did was uh, found a, a, a co-facilitator uh, for this group. And I, and I can tell you um, that, um, you know, after uh, two or three times of leading, um, that co-facilitator really became the facilitator of that group. And uh, when I was out and came back in, I didn't take over. Um, sure. I just participated in the group. Um, and that was, I think that was important as well. Because I think people need to know that, you know, their pastor uh, can, like for instance, their pastor can be in a service without having to preach. Their, serve, their pastor can be in a group without having to lead. Uh, yeah, so I think good. that's an important piece Absolutely. in terms of modeling uh, and participating uh, in groups as well. How many years you, you were at St. Mark? You just said 14 long, years. You were there for a long time. Yes. Um, so my, the question that came to my mind is the, the emphasis on small groups, that small groups is a way of being as a congregation yes. rather than a program emphasis. Right. How did you keep them centered in Christ so that they were actually – had a component of disciple formation um, and that they weren't sort of going off and doing their own thing. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. So uh, from an administrative perspective, um, a, a few things I will say about this. We used a, a semester system. Uh, so basically there were uh, three times a year where there was a huge emphasis on the creation or the formation of new groups. Now, that's an important piece uh, for two reasons. Uh, number one, uh, particularly when you have new people, new people like to join new things. Um, and so sometimes it's more difficult to get new persons to join ongoing groups. So that's an important piece. Um, so that was part of the strategy there. The second thing is, even when you had ongoing groups, because not all groups, there were some groups that were ongoing, not all groups disbanded. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would say probably the vast majority of groups were ongoing groups. But having a semester system was an intentional way of allowing those ongoing groups to say, take a pause and let's, let's think strategically about how we can be intentional about inviting new people uh, into this group experience. Uh, so that was a way for us to be intentional about that process so that uh, it, if the same group of people had been meeting for several years and they didn't become a closed system, uh, that they, they always understood their need to, uh, to be open and always inviting new persons to be a part of what they were doing. So that was what we did from, uh, from an administrative perspective. And then, of course, there were trainings um, that um, were required for a small group leaders or facilitators to make sure that we were always re-emphasizing the purpose of our groups, um, the responsibility of a leader, uh, and, and part of the responsibility was not only facilitating the group, but there's a shepherding responsibility um, so that, now, if you, if you think about small groups as an organizing principle, it affects so many other systems within the life of your church uh, from uh, pastoral care, so that if somebody called the church and they were in 
the hospital or somebody died in their family, the first question you get asked is, well, what group are they participating in? Uh, and the reason why is because uh, we taught that uh, the primary responsibility for shepherding uh, was from your group that you, you had a responsibility to shepherd the people in your group. And the stories were just phenomenal about a person that was in the hospital and was recovering for two weeks and how the group would come together and they would cook meals, you know, for this family for two weeks and take the kids to school. And I mean, it's really doing life together. You can think about how powerful mm-hmm. that is. And to be able to lift up and champion those type of stories uh, was a very, very important thing to do. So strategically, that was a very, very important piece uh, for, for from a shepherding perspective, uh, but also from a missional perspective. Like we used to have, uh, you know, St. Mark used to have missional committee, a mission committee, and um, and you have a group of people that would come together and figure out what what ways we were going to be involved in mission, and and we disbanded that committee, and we said, you know what, every group, small group, has a responsibility to do to be involved in mission every semester. And you know what happened? What happened was mission expanded exponentially. And not only did it expand exponentially, but people were doing what they were really passionate about. And that just led to so many other opportunities and possibilities that uh, if I had more time, I could tell you more stories about. But um, so so in that way, as you think about uh, small groups as an organizing principle, then you can begin to think about, well, what administrative things are we doing that we really don't need to do if we see small groups operating in this fashion? Well, I would like to say, uh, and again, I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, the, the value of small groups um, as a church planter. Uh, when I was planting uh, a church in California, um, you know, we, we planted that church with small groups. I mean, uh, thinking about small groups as being the organizing principle for uh, that congregation. And we were in California, and we were trying to reach people in a pretty large region. And uh, the way that we were able to reach people in those large regions uh, were through small groups. Uh, so we knew people would come to worship on Sunday mornings, uh, but beyond Sunday mornings, it was a real drive you know, to get to where we were. Um, but if you can imagine this church that was expanding and growing with you know, small groups that were in different cities right around the Bay Area, uh, and that was an opportunity for people uh, to not only come together during the week beyond the Sunday morning experience, but again, another opportunity for them to think about you know, how they evangelize uh, their city and, and uh, their particular community. Um, so, th- so that utilizing that same principle uh, as a church planter, taking that to an existing congregation, it's really kind of the same concept. You know, okay. how do you how do you organize people, uh, and and how do you create the avenue uh, for people to grow and to mature uh, in their faith? So, if I were to break the, a large congregation down, I mean, I'll give you an example of of a choir of a choir of, of fifty people. Well, we took a choir of 50 people and we broke a choir, that choir down into small groups wow. uh, so that when they would come together, uh, they would spend, uh, you know, the first 30 uh, minutes of their time together was in their small groups. And again, shepherding, uh, Bible study, and, uh, and then uh, once a semester, those groups are responsible for doing mission projects as well. So that was a way to take something large, break it down, uh, and still have those benefits of knowing that your people are growing. You know, as a pastor, I never worried about persons who 
uh, were part of small groups. I worried about the people who were not connected to anybody uh, in terms of how they you know, how they stuck and you know how we helped them to grow. But people that were part of groups, um, I, I knew. Uh, that they were in environments where they were being, you know, they were being challenged, where they were had opportunities to go deeper into the Word of God, uh, that they had support uh, from their fellow group members, and that uh, there was a sense of passion and enthusiasm, kind of about what you know, kind of the work that they were doing. Um, so those things were were very very important to me uh, as a pastor. I'll say one more word about this. Good, yeah. Um, you know, because I can talk a lot, a lot about this. Um, <laughs> That's a good thing. Here, here's, a, here's, a other, here's the other value that I found in small groups. I found that as a pastor, whenever there was a significant issue or a crisis within the life of a congregation, um, that the quickest way for me to get consistent information to people mm-hmm. in a pastoral way, okay. right, pastoral okay. context, was through small groups. And so I would just pin a note or a letter uh, to our small group facilitators and ask them to read uh, this note uh, to the people assembled in their, in, in their particular small groups and to answer questions and those sort of things. Uh, so that's almost an unintended benefit, but I mean, it's just one of those ways of knowing that when you have people who are coming together, uh, who are growing together and who really consider themselves family, you know, uh, that was a great opportunity for, uh, you know, you to be able to speak to those type of things, crises very, very directly. Uh, so we utilize that on many, many occasions, which is very, very important. You've done a great job of naming some <laughs> real practical benefits, and I appreciate your energy and mm-hmm. your ability to speak right to pastors and say, this is why this is important, and here's how to go about it. And so uh, I'm very excited about what you said, and I hope this is part one of part two or more. I think we have to have him back. <laughs> we, we need to have Junius come back. So I'll say one more thing, though. Here's, here's, <laughs> Absolutely. Here's one that, so um, Wednesday nights was this huge teaching night. And we were really trying to really get small, understand people to get into small groups and, uh, and really to begin to understand this is a fundamental way of being different, you know, in the life of this congregation. And, uh, and I remember struggling with that because, you know, people were still coming on Wednesday nights. You know, there are lots of folk, hundreds of people coming on Wednesday evenings. Um, but small groups were, they were, you know, more reluctant to get into small groups. Okay. And, uh, and I remember talking to a pastor about this. I think it was, I think it was um, Adam, as a matter of fact, Adam Hamilton. And we were having this conversation. He said, you know what you're going to have to do is you're going to make a choice. So one or the other. And so I just said, no more Wednesday. I'm not teaching on Wednesday nights anymore. People are going to go into small groups. Okay. And I did that. I mean, we we basically disbanded disbanded Wednesday nights. Uh, I want to say for at least three months. It may have been longer than that. But the idea was to really teach people that this is really important okay. you know, in the life of our congregation. So I think pastors may sometimes have to make some choices. Good versus great. <laughs> you know, yeah, good versus great. Yeah. You know, and say, so, well, it's great. People are coming. Um, but I think this would be an opportunity for them to go deeper. And so even when we brought Wednesday nights back, the whole idea was to move people in the groups. We saw Wednesday nights as a bridge. Uh, and so even though there was a, and I was the, the primary teacher facilitator, we, we organized Wednesday nights in, in small groups. Um, and so that was just a way for people to bridge being at the facility gotcha. to, you know what, next semester I may actually try being a part of a, of a small group that's meeting someplace else. Good. Give them an entryway. Here's your rotation. Exactly. 
and go go deeper next time. Exactly. Good. Well, this has been a wonderful part one. I look forward to part two and beyond. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Junius. Steve, where do we begin with all the, the goodness, the richness that, that Junius blessed us with in that interview? Um, there was just so much good content that he he provided us. I'll jump in with, with one that stuck out to me. Uh, perhaps the thing that stuck out the most to me is when Junius talked about the small groups not as just another program, but as the organizing principle yeah. in the church. Yeah, that 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 warms my heart. <laughs> I figured it did when I hear our general secretary talking about small groups in that way, because that that's what you and I are all about here. Yeah, that's what we're encouraging. And it's it's also totally Wesleyan. Yes. Um, that small groups that that that's how you form people. That there's there is. There is no other way. The method of Methodism. To well, I, I shouldn't say that because the Holy Spirit. I don't want to limit the power of the Holy Amen. Spirit in Amen. in the in, in, deci- in forming people as disciples of Jesus Christ. But the tr- the the scriptures and the tradition and the history of the church tells us for the vast majority of people, mm. if you're going to be formed as a disciple, you need to be in a relationship with fellow Christians. Right. in a small group, and that's where those relationships are formed. Right. And Junius understands that, and yep. and particularly as a pastor, he understands, understood it, um, and he shared with us how that was applied at St. Mark's. Um, yeah. Was there anything else that stuck out to you in terms of what Junius said? Well, a couple of things. One was he, he did mention briefly, and this is a piece that, you know, I think we need, I want to go and help have, go in more depth with him in part yeah. two, is the leader the importance of absolutely of small group leaders? Um, I want to hear from him how he he didn't really talk about how they were identified, how they were trained, how they were supported and sustained in their work as leaders of small groups. But he's absolutely right. For any small group ministry to work, you need really good leader leaders, lay people who are trained and formed as leaders in discipleship. Um, and, and that's what covenant discipleship is all about. Yep. Um, the other thing that that I, that really jumped out at me was his uh, recollection about. Um, I think he mentioned something that Adam Hamilton advice that Adam Hamilton. Yeah, had that was very him. interesting. You got to do one or the other. You can't do about Wednesday nights and how yeah. he suspended the Wednesday night his Wednesday night program. That takes some courage. Yeah. <laughs> And had everybody in small groups on Wednesday night instead of coming to listen to Junius. Sounds like he sure. was preaching or teaching. And, yeah. Um, that they stopped doing that. And he said, everyone's going to go into their small group on Wednesday. And, yeah. Uh, well, and, and that was one of the, one, for me anyway, one of the reasons why I wanted Junius on was because I knew he could speak directly to senior pastors. Yeah. And we've heard from, at least I've heard from some, uh, more than one, who've, who've asked me, you know, hey, I, I'm all in with small groups, and, I, and, and I'm in charge of that for my church, um, but I can't get the senior pastor involved, and I can't get them mm-hmm. on board. And I hope, um, I hope if that's you, I hope you'll share this podcast with your senior pastor and say, you need to listen to this. And, and the other thing that I, I liked that he emphasized was that the pastor shouldn't just be the champion, but that he should participate in a small group. And I think that's absolutely vital for a pastor to to be in it. And there was a point you brought up about how they were to be in the group. Yeah, that, well, that and he brought it up himself that, it, you know, his his experience in that small group that he was in, that he formed, yeah. 
that it got to a point where he, you know he had a co-facilitator he knew he wasn't he was you know because his travel schedule and stuff he couldn't sure. be there all the time and um but that that co-facilitator eventually stepped into the role of the facilitator yeah. of the group and he simply was a participant in the group and that how important that was that he saw it was for the members of that group and for the other members of the people in the congregation to see their pastor as simply a participant that he doesn't have to be leading all the time That's right and and also that he acknowledged that the pastor can be present and participating in worship but yeah. he or she doesn't have to be the preacher all yeah. the time what a model of humility yeah. Yeah. And there's there's certainly so much more in there that we could highlight. I'll, I'll add one more thing that the, the pastor of the church where I attend, he, when he preaches on occasion, I want to say once a month, maybe it's once every other month, he talks about what's happening in his small group mm. and gives illustrations of discipleship that's happening in his group. So I would encourage pastors that way. That'll be my last word. I, I know we've got a giveaway person, so I'll let you tell who is our giveaway. Yes. I, in fact, I just saw... On Facebook, my f- a friend of mine, a colleague and dear friend, Reverend Tony Fink. All right, Tony. Who's a pastor in the Minnesota Annual Conference. I believe he's in, f- I'm going to, I know I'm going to get this uh-oh, wrong. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Fairmount. I think that's right. I've been there. <laughs> but Tony, men- he highlighted and mentioned and promoted the our episode where we I interviewed a, I, I interviewed Phil Meadows, which is great. If you haven't listened to it, go the listen band to meeting. It now. Yeah, and so that's the kind of stuff we like our 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 fans, our our listeners, listeners to do yeah. is to share this with others. Yep. And so that's what Tony did. So Tony's going to get uh, some discipleship ministry swag from us. <laughs> All right. All right. And we thank him. Absolutely. I thank you, Tony. And so we hope you too will interact with us. Email us. You can find our emails on umcdiscipleship.org. You can also find us on Twitter. Steve, where can people find you on Twitter? At, at S. Manskar, at S-M-A-N-S-K-A-R. And I'm at Rev Scott's Tweets. There's, there's an extra S in there. I've noticed some people have missed. That's okay. And also at UMC Adult Form for adult formation. And so tweet us. Find us on Facebook. Email us. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to, what you'd like to hear, and we will uh, be in contact with you. And we look forward to continuing to be in ministry with you. Peace. Small groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.